featuring the creator and lead host of Clutch Crew Sports, Zach. Unfortunately, uh, Eric is an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and uh, he went through a pretty rough postseason watching uh, my Portland Trailblazers pretty well dismantle his team, so... <laughs> Dang, okay. um, I did, did not realize we were going to go into that. <laughs> you sure you didn't lose your train of thought by looking at this picture here? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Zach really likes Alex Morgan. Also featuring Eric, I'm a co-host. I specialize in NFL and NBA. If a topic upsets me enough, I'm going to rant about it. So, if Cincinnati you know, wants to turn this around. They've got a few pieces that they can start with and then try to rebuild and get some more draft picks and get some younger talent in there and start it now. Just to face it now that you're going to suck and try to <laughs> try to fix it for the future. For people that want to say Steph is an all-time great or one of the greatest players of, or uh, even maybe the greatest player of all time, how can you really say that, though, if he would have four championships and not have been the finals MVP in any of them? Alrighty, guys. Zach here, and I am back. I have returned to Clutch Crew Sports. Uh, last week was the first week we had a recording without me being a part of it, and I listened to it afterwards, and I was happy to uh, to hear that everything went smooth and uh Eric, you and Connor both did a great job recording. I had a lot of fun listening to uh to your episode and you guys just hit it out of the park, man. I was I was impressed with it. You guys talked about quite a few different subjects on it and knew what you're talking about, did a great job, so good thank, on you guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um but we are back today and some things I'll just start off talking about what this episode is going to be about. So last episode, we talked about starting quarterbacks and potential changes made for next season with every team starting quarterback. We're going to kind of continue the same trend of stuff for next year, but this time we're going to be talking about head coaches, both on the college ranks and the NFL ranks. So we've got some hot seat coaches, some coaches already been fired. We're going to discuss their situations. Should they be fired? Should they maybe be given an extra year due to circumstances? And maybe who should be uh, some candidates for replacement? So, but before all that begins, Subvember has came, has come to an end already. Month of November just flew by, man. Like I, it's crazy. It feels like we just started Subvember, but for anybody that might have been hearing about Subvember and you didn't catch our very first episode in November about it, basically whoever got the most subscribers to the channel won the contest of getting to roast the other three podcasters. So Eric, he took the lead a couple days into this and never really looked back. Uh, I was his closest threat here, as you can see on YouTube. He finished with 36 new subscribers. I got 18. Nate got 8. Connor got alone one subscriber to YouTube. Uh, but 
Eric, he never really looked back, and I know he was worried about <laughs> one of us coming up with a late push. He was messaging me like, "You guys have 14 minutes left." Like, he was. <laughs> that he was, was that was more sarcasm there, but, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, when it got to you know day or two before, I was like, you know, how are you guys doing? You know, are y'all uh, you know? <laughs> I even made sure. I even went on the last day and got three more to you know add a little more cushion to my lead. So. I, I wanted to make sure, man. I wanted to avoid the roast. So, <laughs> for all you know, I could have, uh, I could have just staged out at USF and you know, gotten a table and been like, yeah, all right, free that, food for whoever thing. subscribes. You know, <laughs> so. thing, like all three of y'all being college students, I'm like, man, you know, all you have to do is just like get a table and some pizzas and be like free slice if you subscribe. You know what I mean? Like, I, I so yeah, I. I didn't know what could possibly happen. Like I thought maybe Connor the whole time was like purposefully sitting with one. And then he was going to like <laughs> go on a crazy run, that would crazy, crazy comeback or something. <laughs> like I didn't know, dude. I was, so I, you know, I was, I was preparing, man. Like I, I know Zach kind of had said earlier, he like wanted to be roasted, but also wanted to do the roast. Like my main thing was like, I just don't want to get roasted. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, but nevertheless, I, uh, I am still for the opportunity to do this, so yeah, we'll see how this goes here. <laughs> and uh, we're not doing this for December, but there is definitely a high likelihood of bringing something like September back to the future. I don't know if we'll do a roast again, but there might be different stakes involved. But definitely look out for another subscriber challenge because this went really well. Like we we gained a lot of subscribers here. I think a lot more people have heard our podcast now we we're getting shout outs on other people's shows so it's uh it's totally been a success no matter who gets roasted uh this whole thing was was a success and eric contributed the most so uh congrats (laughs) (laughs) uh but we'll eric i'll let you do your roast now um go ahead man i will say for everybody this is gonna be my first time hearing this roast it's not like we rehearsed this before yeah, so. I, I, my I kept my material pretty top secret. Only only Susan knows really what I'm gonna say. Like no no one else knows. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess real quick before I do the roast to the 36 people that subscribed on either YouTube or iTunes, uh, I can't shout you all out individually, but I got about 10 or 12 or so from my work at Francis Marie. So for those of y'all from Francis Marie's that listen to this, thank you. You are a big reason why I got to do this roast. And, and then with people that I've gained on Twitter, uh, had some that were fellow podcasters like us. And so I've enjoyed interacting with them and each of us, you know, me listening to theirs and they're them listening to us. And again, can't shout all of them out either, but I know we, have briefly in Mm -hmm. some of the episodes but so thanks to you guys i get to do this roast and hopefully y'all will enjoy it and hopefully y'all will continue listening to future episodes so uh with that being said i will start the roast if anybody listening to this has watched the office before and saw the michael scott roast episode that's basically going to be my style for doing this so All right, so first of all, to Zach, Connor, and Nate, all three of y'all, 
this could have been a three-on-one contest, and I still would have won. <laughs> Boom, roasted. Zach, you thought the Miami Dolphins were going to beat the New England Patriots earlier this season. Boom, roasted. Connor, for September, you only got one subscriber, and that was your girlfriend. Boom, roasted. Nate, you had a week of NFL predictions where you only got one game right the whole week. Boom, roasted. Zach, you may have beaten me and Madden in the regular season 38-0, to zero, but I won in the Super Bowl when it mattered the most. Boom, roasted. Connor, you thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> Boom, roasted. Nate, you have a t-shirt that you wear that says UCF won, won the national championship, which they didn't. Boom, roasted. And to Zach and Connor, you both lost in our Clutch Crew Fantasy Football League to the person that drafted a kicker and a defense in the second and third rounds. Boom, roasted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> that was uh... – I give you credit on that, man. Yeah, I did not expect some of those coming. Uh, the Miami one <laughs> brought back some bad memories of that pick. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just I just remembered how confident you were with that pick, and I was like, "Is Zach like?" I was like, "Is Zach high right now?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a, I had a lot of fun doing that, and obviously, uh, you know, I don't intend to be mean with any of my comments obviously zach and connor are my cousins and we've been close our whole lives and i've like it's an honor for me to get to do the podcast with them and then without the clutch crew podcast i would have never uh i would have never spoken with nate you know and i even though we nate and i haven't met in person like i've enjoyed doing the episodes where him and i have been in it together nate's a cool dude too and uh Hopefully Connor and Zach don't come back and roast me too hard when we go on the cr- family cruise or something. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna team up and get yeah, back. And I will say too, I will say too that um, Zach, Connor, and Nate are all college students, and November is one of the busiest months out of the year for a college student. So, whereas I'm not in college right now, so um, I know it was. I probably had a lot more free time, so that gave me an advantage. So, but overall, this was fun, Zach. I, this was a great idea that you brought to the table, and uh, hope you all enjoyed the roast, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was. I'm, you know, even being a college student, though, I'm not going to make any excuses. I, I should have done better than 18, and in the future, I will. So, be prepared. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, whenever you're ready to do another contest we'll, yeah uh, yeah so this is this went good though i i enjoyed your rant eric uh pretty pretty funny we'll i'll remember this for a while so it's <laughs> <laughs> a good moment to have here um man awesome yeah. I'll, I'll i'll really be looking forward since connor and nate aren't here with us right now i'll be looking forward to hearing what they think so <laughs> yeah yeah the, those are some good roasts there so now Unfortunately, um, for me, I'm going to have to talk about a subject I did not want to talk about, but it's come to this point, and I think it's a fair assessment here for USF. Obviously, just today, the news broke out that USF fired Charlie Strong after three seasons. 
I can't remember his exact record during his tenure at USF, but I do know he got wor- his team got worse. USF lost more games each season. Uh, his first season, basically, he inherited the Willie Taggart team, which won 10 games, got to a bowl game, and won. That was a great season. Obviously, you know, he did nothing wrong that year. But then the next year, they start out, USF starts out 6-0, and and then they lose, I think, six of their last seven games. Or so. it was, they went on a huge losing streak at the end of the season. Morale was just totally blown to bits. They lost their bowl game. And then this season, never there was nothing good about this season. I saw somebody on Twitter, a USF fan, say something like, don't cry because it happened, smile because it's over, or something like that. Um, it was just a disaster from the beginning, and USF could not take advantage of the season when UCF was having a down year for their standards, losing a couple of games. Um, obviously, they had to go to Orlando to play the Warren I-4, which is a huge advantage for the Knights, but still... They lost that in embarrassing fashion, and I think that was the final straw for Coach Strong here. And so now where do they go? And actually, hold on, before I talk about where they go, I have kind of mixed feelings about this because obviously as a fan of, you know, I go to this university, so I have a lot invested here. Um, As a fan, I'm fine with them firing Strong. I think that's a good move for the football team. I just hope that this doesn't, because uh, I believe Strong had a five-year contract. So I just hope this doesn't impact scholarships, academic scholarships for either myself or any other students at USF. Hopefully uh, those don't get affected. Hopefully we are able to financially afford this next coach and also whatever is left on the Strong contract. Um, I'll say that first, you know, I'm a student, so that, (laughs) that comes first, uh, before, uh, picking a college coach. But as far as the football team goes here, they've got a lot of interesting options and it seems like the majority of options and the most likely scenario is that this next coach is going to have some sort of tie to USF, whether as a player, a former coach, or an existing coach, or grew up in Tampa Bay, something about this next coach, I have a feeling, you know, I'm not known for making locks anymore because I always lose my locks, so I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but I've, I'm fairly confident that this next USF coach is going to have one of those ties to Tampa, um, like I said, in any of those categories and on the screen here are some pictures of some of the candidates i'll just run through some of them and then i'll tell you my top pick so top left here in the miami hurricanes hat uh i forget let me look up his name actually because i wasn't too familiar with him but he is and i got this information from tampa bay times as well um larry scott florida tight ends coach he's got ties to USF because he was a actually an offensive lineman in the inaugural season of USF football. So 
he's apparently like a rising coach um, within the state of Florida. And that's crucial, I think, to this next coach because on this team, 91 of the team's players came from a high school in Florida. So this is a heavy Florida-centered team. So that's, I think, going to be the major qualification for recruiting purposes for this hire is you have to know the state of Florida. He certainly does. I would not be surprised if he's the coach. Um, top middle there in the LSU gear is Coach Brady for LSU. And he is at the quarterback's coach for LSU. Obviously, Joe Burrow is going to be the likely Heisman candidate this season. He's a potential candidate, but I'm wondering if there could be a Power 5 conference team that decides to hire him. I don't think he would necessarily have the qualifications for a head coaching job if it weren't for the success he had with Burrow this year. But he's a young guy, and he could potentially come to the Bulls. Uh, But I think if he does and he has success with USF, he probably will be going on up the ranks to be a head coach somewhere else. So it's interesting. He's a possibility for sure. And out of all of them, he's the one that seems to not have any Florida or USF ties. So it's interesting. He's I think he's the most likely outsider to be the coach. Uh, top right there is Kerwin Bell, the current offensive coordinator. He's got some ties to USF. Um, I believe he grew up around Tampa. He played college football at Florida. He coached uh, in Valdosta, I think Valdosta State and won a uh, Division II national title. And he just got brought up to be USF's offensive coordinator this season. This is his first season. I'll just say for him, I sure hope he's not the head coach because our offense has been terrible this year. I, I'm not a fan of his style. He does like a pro style. But to me, with the quarterbacks on this team, none of them really fit that. So I don't think he'd be a good fit for this team. But he's been brought up as a candidate. A lot of people seem to like him a lot for some reason. But I haven't been impressed with him so far. That and, doesn't like yeah, no, that's, that's the one I least want out of this group. Um, it's crazy to me that people are talking about it, but I don't know how this guy is getting away. He'd be getting away with a lot, I think, because of how bad the offense was this year if he gets promoted as, as head coach. <clears throat> and then down here on the bottom are some other more interesting picks because they're former USF coaches here. And the one I'm obviously more familiar with is Taggart. Uh, bottom left because he was the coach of the team before I came here to school and obviously he's been on a roller coaster of a ride since he left USF going to Auburn for a year going to FSU for two years and getting fired here's a picture of him here wearing his Seminoles stuff but he was the coach at USF for quite a while and had a lot of success um He recruits really well. He's from the Tampa area, and he's actually said that he would be open for return if that's possible. And who knows? He could end up recruiting another Quentin Flowers, uh, so to say. And then Jim Levitt here is the other coach on the screen um, down the bottom right. He coached the Bulls for a long time. I wasn't, you know, aware of USF when he was the coach, but... 
I just know a lot of people on Twitter are talking about him as a return. I believe he's some sort of in some sort of coaching role right now for Florida State. So it would be interesting to see a return with him. But personally, out of all these picks, I think Taggart is going to be the one, and I'm I'm okay with it because, you know, for all the you know all the people that are like, oh, Taggart's terrible. Well, he had his most success he's ever had is at USF. And I think it's going to be a win-win for both. I think it's going to be a good situation for Taggart. He's going to be familiar with the program. He's going to be familiar with, uh, obviously, this area of the country for recruiting. And another thing, too, is I think he's got a lot of recruits from Florida State uh, that are going to leave Florida State and potentially go where he goes. So it would make a lot of sense for USF to be able to grab a guy like this who's got potentially a good recruiting class lined up for next season uh, because this team definitely needs some talent upgrades. Um, So he's my pick to be the next coach. If I had to say this, I think it'd be really wise because he's had success here before. Brady, the LSU guy, he's a little bit of an unknown uh, same with the Miami guy over here. So, and then I told you about how I think about Bell. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But it's crazy to think about this. But <laughs> I think uh, I think he might be coming back to this team. Um, so at least somebody, somebody, some former USF player, coach, or some you know some some Tampa guy is going to be coming back. So it's going to be interesting seeing who that is. Uh, but USF is not the only major program with a coaching change in the near future. I've listed up here a couple other top college openings. So the pictures of teams I've got up here, Florida State, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Missouri, USC, and Arizona. So far, the for sure openings are Florida State, Missouri, and Ole Miss, as all of those coaches to this point have already been fired. Tagger at Florida State, obviously, we talked about him in the last slide. But Barry Odom for Missouri, and I can't remember Ole Miss is the name of the Ole Miss head coach, but I know he was fired as well. And I think all of these coaches, and then for the USC coach, it's going to be interesting because that program is held to really high standards, but their coaches, you know, they've on the back half of their season, USC has really overcome a lot of adversity. So I'm wondering, and they've been winning. I believe they're in the top 25 right now. So that one is, I think, at the beginning of the season, was looking a little bit you know, more certain to be an open spot. But their coach might have been coaching his way back into the role. Um, Arizona's got Kevin Sumlin, the former Texas A&M head coach. Arizona's just been bad, and I, I think someone's a good coach, but it's been a couple. It's been a while since he's had a lot of success uh, back at Texas A&M. So while he's been a good coach, I just think Arizona's probably going to move on from him. Missouri, they're obviously moving on from Barry Odom. Ole Miss, they're in a tricky spot because they've got you know a lot of. NCAA violations going on. That's going to be a harder place to sell. South Carolina, they've got Will Muschamp. 
it's going to be interesting seeing what they do with him because this is they're not making a bowl this year, South Carolina. They really regressed. They had that win over Georgia, but in the rest of the SEC, they did pretty bad. And a lot of people are saying that Muschamp is going to be fired. And then, obviously, Florida State, probably the biggest team out of all these that is for sure going to have a head coach opening. Nate talked about this about a month or so ago on one of the topics episodes, they still haven't made a, you know, a, a decision yet on that. I think it's going to come pretty soon though, because this is the traditional firing week for head coaches. So once we know who's going to be available, I think that's going to impact a lot of these decisions, but I wouldn't be surprised if all these guys get fired because I got them up on the screen here. But if I had if I had to rank them, I think South Carolina or USC USC is gonna their coach is probably gonna stay out of all these. But Arizona Kevin Sumlin and Will Muschamp definitely on shaky grounds. Um, it's gonna be interesting seeing what happens here, and it's just another thing too. It seems more and more like these coaches, this coaching carousel has gotten out of control with these teams uh, firing coaches year one year into their tenure and some two years in, uh, in the case of Taggart. Eric, I don't know. I've kind of left you quiet here on the subject, but what do you think of the coaching carousel in today's day of age, like really just been accelerating the win now? philosophy with a lot of these athletic yeah. directors. It, it seems like you see this a lot in both college and in pro and it seems to me like you would want to give more time. I mean, especially in college because you have to you have to be able to recruit and get your own guys and everything and you know like if you if into a team and they don't really like say they don't a lot of them don't really fit the type of scheme that you're wanting to implement. I mean, then you need a, you know, at least another year or two to get some players that you feel like would fit better and fit your mold. And plus every year you're always, every team's always going to have players that like transfer in and out. Like you'll get transfers mm-hmm. from new schools, but then people that don't want to be there anymore, they go to another school and like that gets really complicated. And to me, I would be trying to be more patient if I was a, you know, some of these programs, but I don't know, man. I mean, I don't, since I don't follow college football too much, I mean, I'm not familiar with uh, yeah. who a lot of these coaches are. I mean, but to me, the only reason, if I was a athletic director of a college, like the only reason why I'm firing a coach one year into their tenure is say, if they just got caught doing something highly illegal mm-hmm. or had some kind of scandal or something but otherwise i would be or if it's like you're a team that's typically a team that finishes you know in the top 25 or something and you have just an abundantly bad record if you go like three and nine or something then maybe then but otherwise i would be trying to be patient and let them build it and then after like three years if you're still doing bad okay then you're gone but Mm -hmm. I don't know, but everybody wants to win now. It's all about the money, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like a lot of times teams get in bad financial situations because of this. Uh, Nate was talking about this when we were talking about FSU's head coach being fired. Like 
they're still paying him a lot of money. Like these, you know, it's all about these boosters at these schools that are, you know, if they're willing to pay this money, man, like it's, it's just kind of crazy how much money these coaches get paid. And then, you know, all right, we'll just buy them out. You know what I mean? Like, all right, let's find a, like a six year deal, but then they get fired after the second season. Mm -hmm. They still got to pay him for the other four seasons. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, Tennessee knows that with Butch Jones, like, and Tennessee's, uh, I think, a prime example of, you know, not hitting the panic button at the first sign of trouble because they, you know, Tennessee could have hit the panic button with Jeremy Pruitt after the BYU loss when they were 0-2 and been like, you know, a couple of people wanted to transfer out. They were losing recruits and stuff. I mean, they could have hit the panic button and who knows what would have happened uh, with that, but the way Tennessee rebounded in this team under Pruitt really played inspired in their last uh, five or six weeks of the college season, making a bowl game, finishing the season with seven wins. I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted that after the 0-2 start, losing to BYU and I think Georgia State or Georgia Southern. I can't, I can't I, remember which one it was. Uh, but, I thought we were only winning like one game after that. I mean... I was like, maybe one of these other two weaker games will win. But other than that, they're not going to win any. So the fact yeah. that they beat Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, at least the fact that they at least won some conference game in Mississippi oh, State, yeah. that was nice. I mean, we still have the Florida, Georgia, and Alabama problem mm-hmm. of not being able to beat them. But at least they got it back on track, and hopefully we'll have some momentum for next year or so. Yeah, I, I just think that's a good example of, you know, a, of a program not hitting the panic button because they could have, man. They they re- I saw a lot of people talking about it, and who knows what would have happened. We might, you know, be in a worse situation if they had fired Pruitt. I mean, that would have been three coaches in, like, four years or something like. So, it's, yeah, it, you got to give these coaches some more time, uh, but... I think the writing's on the wall with some of these guys, like Will Muschamp. He's been a head coach a while now, and to me, he's always been a hothead of a head coach. Personally, I I saw him a lot at Florida. He's a hothead, man. Like, you know, this little gamecock right here, that's like Will Muschamp. He is fiery. <laughs> like, look at the – it looks like flames are coming out of that chicken's head, but, um, I mean, that's a perfect embodiment of Will Muschamp, and – Sometimes that gets results. Sometimes it doesn't. This year it didn't, and um, it's going to be interesting because so, sometimes you see more mellow head coaches. I think Str- Charlie Strong was like that. He was, you know, always got his turtleneck on, always looking cool on the sidelines, you know, <laughs> not getting too emotional. But both of them had the same success this year, which was not good. So, and then you see Saban sometimes flip out and stuff. It, it's interesting to see you know how these college coaches can be so hot-headed at times you know but yeah. <laughs> that's another topic <laughs> um yeah. and, and i and i know we're gonna like transition into the nfl here but another instance of a team that for a long time wasn't being patient in the nfl i mean look at the cleveland browns i mean it seemed like for a while there every single year they were getting a new coach and Every time the new coach and management came in, they traded a bunch of players for draft picks, brought in new players, and then 
it, that wasn't working out. So then he got fired. So then the next coach came in and then traded away a bunch of players for draft picks and then brought in a lot of rookies, gave them like no time to develop. Other than that coach gets fired. And the, you know, and then if you're like a free agent, you know, this can go both ways in college and pro. Like if you're a college player looking to transfer to another team, or if you're an NFL player and your contract's up, you're not going to go sign with a team that's been having a new coach every single year because there's no consistency. There's no stability. Mm -hmm. And that can be a problem with these college teams too. If they're hiring new coaches every year, you're that hurts your ability to get transfers and your ability to get recruits because no, nobody wants to go, you know, say, say if Tennessee had fired Pruitt, we were just talking about him. Like say they had fired him after that BYU game. Well, going into next season, how many recruits out there, like, or people looking to transfer, would look at Tennessee and be, yeah, that's where I want to go. But now they, you know, they started off 0 and 2, but they're 7 and 3 since then. The only three losses being to teams that are all top, basically top 10 teams. They beat everybody else. So now if you're somebody that's, you know, deciding on where you want to go, yeah, Tennessee is still not the most amazing looking destination but it looks a lot better Mm -hmm. than it did if they would have fired Pruitt after week two so these teams definitely need to you know try to be more patient with their coaches you know if it's been like year three or four and you still suck then it's obviously understandable but I don't know everybody in just in life in general man everybody's like you know, with sports, everybody's win now or with anything in life. Everybody's like, I need results now. Like, now, 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 now. Like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just with anything in life. I mean, people, it's like, you know, it's like people, like, can't, like, focus otherwise. I don't know, man. It's it's, it's crazy. That, I, I do agree with you. That This transcends sports, I think, with, uh, you know, or just necessity. It just seems like a necessity to, like, get results now get this now it has to be now you know like this and everything in life. like businesses yeah. like oh yeah. we, we bring in a new uh we bring in a new manager oh you didn't turn a profit in the first three months oh you're fired you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, like it, it's with everything like it's yeah it causes a lot of stress too with these people um you know getting hired and then getting stressed out that they're gonna get fired like yeah it, i agree man it this is uh this is a transcendent issue <laughs> that we've discovered here. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a slightly different change of tone when we get to the Jags here, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah, well, let's start with the Jags. Actually, we got them up on the screen okay. here. Um, I'll just let you start with this, man, because yeah, I, I know just, you're passionate yeah, I mean, about it. What we what we've been talking about here is, you know, with the problem of many teams not giving their coaches their coaching staffs enough time. Well, with the Jaguars, it's the opposite. I know Doug Marone hasn't been the coach the whole time uh, since Shad Khan took over the Jaguars, but Mm -hmm. he was a part of the original coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And so was our defensive coordinator, Todd Wash, uh, when they were both working under the uh, Gus Bradley era back in, it started in 2013. Yeah, 2013. So these guys have been a part of the Jaguars coaching staff for six seasons. And we've only had one 
good season that entire time. And, you know, they, even when Doug Marone took over as the coach, like, you know, they were familiar with all the players. They knew what they had. They, when they, you know, they had the same general manager making the Yeah, pit. Caldwell's been there forever. <laughs> yeah, Caldwell's been there the whole time. David Caldwell, who, if y'all don't know who that is, that's the Jaguars general manager. You know, all these guys have been there since 2013. You've had plenty of time <laughs> <laughs> to make your decisions. And I know, like, with the NFL hot seat, I think, I guess other than Jay Gruden, who we'll get to later, like, none of the coach mm-hmm. all of the coaches are still currently hired but Doug Marone's one for sure in my opinion though he's got to go man I mean I feel like the Jaguars still have a I definitely think we got overrated a little bit after that 2017 season in terms of how great the team was overall but we still have some good players on this team and I just I think Shad Khan needs to blow it up. I mean, from him to Tom Coughlin to Todd Wash to Dave Caldwell, like pretty much all of not maybe not all, but most of the assistant coaches. Yeah, they, they all it it's time, man. And I know we're not going to talk about players either specifically, but a lot of these ridiculous contracts that they've given out over the last couple of seasons, those ties need to be cut even if we're going to be bad in 2020 like we we need to rebuild doug marone and the jaguars have had plenty of time (laughs) (laughs) this isn't a case of you know some teams where they've only had a season and they're fired and whoa that makes no sense why would they you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. yeah his seat is very hot and i i hope shod khan is serious about wanting to make Jacksonville a contending team. It, it's time. Oh, yeah, man. I I agree. Like, and I think Tom Coughlin's tied into this, too, because I feel like he's been undermining the authority of Marone. Like, it, you know, Marone should be the coach of the team, but I think Coughlin is, like, you know, he's put his hands on this team, too. So Coughlin can, uh, can leave as well. I'm not sure... There's didn't you say the possibility there were, of retirement. Yeah. Let's say didn't didn't you I know we were talking off air before this. Mm-hmm. Didn't you say that um Marone and Coughlin were arguing because Coughlin was mad at Marone for benching Foles in the second yes. half today? Yeah, so I this isn't obviously if you ask either of these guys involved, they're gonna deny it most likely. But from what I've seen on Twitter, Facebook, uh some a lot of people have been saying this has happened and it's, it wouldn't surprise me because during all of this whole era this Coughlin Marone era it seems like Marone has never truly been you know the guy Coughlin has always had his say of the matter in this um which I think is wrong when you have a head coach he's got to he's got to run the team you know he you've got the general manager making you know, decisions with the head coach on draft picks and, you know, who should we, who do we want to sign to fit our scheme and all that sort of stuff. But when, when it comes to player personnel and stuff, the coach has got to be the ultimate deciding factor. And I think he's, I think Coughlin has really rubbed Marone the wrong way. 
and publicly they're never going to admit this, but I I think it's I think a blow up's happening. Whether Coughlin fires Marone or Con fires Coughlin and and Marone at the same time, or Coughlin fires Marone and Con fires Coughlin later, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen uh, here with these guys. They're they it's not going to this this you know, and I think a lot of the assistants too. Like I was I messaged you on Facebook how I think only Terry Robisky and uh, Keenan McCardell are the only two, you know, position coaches I want to keep. And, you know, this is deep tracks here talking about position coaches, but really none of the other position groups have done anything other than uh, the wide receivers making a huge increase from last year and the running backs making a huge increase from last year. Everybody else has either regressed or stayed where they were at. So they need to go too. But we could talk about the Jaguars for a lot longer. We could, we could dedicate a whole episode to this. Yeah. I mean, we, we could go on all day about <laughs> Yeah, and uh, watching the game today, my dad was like, hey, why don't we call, um, you know, my grandpa on my mom's side, Mr. Shoemaker, um, see, hear what his opinion is. And <laughs> My mom started laughing because how that you know, phone call went. Yeah, we didn't we didn't do it, but I oh, mean, gosh, that you know, we, been, yeah, we need to get him on here. Like, oh, I know because we need to have a we need to have a Jaguars like at the end of the season, we need to have a just me, you, and your grandpa on your mom's side. Just have a have a Jaguar. I mean, your dad could be in on too if he yeah. wanted. But just get every Jag fan we know and like have a group chat about this oh my god he would Dude, be so funny to listen he to is gonna about. yeah he's gonna say some hot hot topics things that i'm oh uh, gosh, dude. Um, <laughs> yes. and, I, and i saw him at thanksgiving too and literally i opened the door you know i greet my other family and then he comes up and he literally says to me i'd say go jags but we suck right now so, <laughs> <laughs> i kid you not that was the first right thing he said case. to me <laughs> oh my gosh dude that's hilarious. yeah so and if if you are ever around him or anything and you bring up the name todd wash you are gonna get him going on a rant <laughs> so that's that's the guy he he would rant what do you, the most about. what do you what do you think would trigger him more if i brought up todd wash's name or if i brought up blake bortle's name <laughs> <laughs> i think i think wash actually well because blake bortles is gone so yeah. Oh my god! I mean, he was he was tough. He was you know he was tough on Bortles too. But uh, yeah, it, it, that'll be that'll be some times, man. You will if you're listening right now, and we come out with that episode, you are gonna want to. You are not. It will wanna... be a treat, man. Just get some popcorn and yes, <laughs> be ready. <laughs> oh okay. man, yeah. And then moving on now to the next head coach here, Dan Quinn for the Falcons. I'll talk about why I think he's going to be gone. The Falcons, you heard them in the rant, or not the rant, the roast by Eric earlier about Connor, how he was like, Connor, you picked the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. I mean, to be fair, I also picked them to go pretty far. I don't know if I picked them in the Super Bowl, but I know I picked them in the NFC Championship game. And I had a lot of expectations for this team. A lot of people did. And... They're really underachieving now. They've they're one of the few teams that's you know mathematically been eliminated from the playoffs, which is really bad. 
Obviously, the Jaguars have no chance, but at least they're not mathematically eliminated. And it's just been really disappointing this last year under um, under Quinn. And last year was also a disappointment season. You're like, okay, you know, you went to the Super Bowl, and then what usually seems to happen with these Super Bowl losers is a hangover. And that's certainly what's been happening. Two straight losing seasons under Quinn. And what makes this, what I think makes this fireable is Quinn is supposed to be a defensive background of guy. That's his mindset is defense. And the Falcons have been terrible on defense. I know they've had injuries, but still, if you're a defensive mastermind, you have to have a better defense than what you have, what you've shown the last two seasons. So that's, I think, a major reasoning for his firing. I know he's like, he's gone back and forth at the play calling between him and the D coordinator on who calls the defensive plays, but it's been a, it's been a long time here. He's had his chance and he, he just hasn't delivered. I, I think a lot of people expect him to be fired at the end of the season. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree a hundred percent with this. I mean, when you've got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, Devontae Freeman, and Matt Ryan, like, as your core offense, and you're, you've only won three games. I mean, that that's a, that's a problem. And mm-hmm. I, watching the Saints game on Thanksgiving, I mean, there, there were definitely, I know Zach and I kind of debated this a little bit, but briefly, but there were definitely some times where Matt Ryan was taking too long to throw the ball, but then, there were some other times where, I mean, it's like as soon as he hikes the ball, it seems like he's having to, like, scramble around and try to make something happen. And, of course, he's not very mobile. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going down, you know, more times than not. I mean, they – the Falcons do need some help. But, it's, but it, like Zach said, the defense has really, for the most part, been the problem. But – the Falcons too just have been they've been a really weird team this year and it seems like in most of their games either the offense is clicking or, or the defense is clicking but they're never both clicking at the same time mm-hmm. I, I that to me is so weird because usually like when you watch the Jaguars game today they were down 25 zip at halftime like nothing was clicking where it, but with the Falcons, it's like one game the offense puts up 38 points, but then they still lose. Or then the next game, the defense only gives up 20 points, but then they still lose because the offense only got 17 points or something. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know why they haven't been able to get it clicking together. And to me, it's on coaching more than anything mm-hmm. else. And when you've got as much talent as the Falcons have, but you're three and nine. Yeah, that's a problem. Dan Quinn's another yeah. one. He he's he should be gone. I I don't know if the Falcons will fire him, but I definitely think they should. I I think he will. Yeah. Um, so now move on to Coach Clap, as uh, a lot of people like to call Jason Garrett up here in the corner. And yeah, I he he still might make the playoffs as crazy as it is. As it is but at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, a long time ago, we talked about the NFC East, 
I was the only one that was like that didn't have the Cowboys winning the division, and I was like, it's gonna be because of him right here, Jason Garrett, and I think this. He's been coaching with Dallas a long time now, and they had that Dak's rookie year. Uh, they the Cowboys had the best record in the NFL. It seems like that was a while ago though, and Garrett, he to me, he's he seems like more of a coordinator than a coach because his teams can never get inspired enough to start out a game hot. I mean, they always trail in these games. He's a terrible motivator. You have to be a motivator as a head coach. Like that is like the number one requirement, minimum base requirement. If you're planning to be a head coach, you have to be a motivator of players. And he just doesn't motivate his team. He does. He's like the part of the Gus Bradley tree of coaches where, you know, good job guys. Good job. After you throw an interception or whatever, it doesn't hold his team accountable. Oh, Sucks up to Jerry Jones. Um, I think that's the only reason he's still a coach is because he sucked up to Jerry. But, yeah, it's, you know, he definitely should, I think, already have been fired from previous seasons. But if it wasn't for his relationship with Jerry Jones, that's the only thing keeping him employed right now. But you got to even think even Jerry at this point is going to have to consider yeah. firing him. The, the other problem with him the two biggest problems i have well one one thing that helps has helped him save his job is that a lot of the times like this year the nfc east has been a really bad division Mm -hmm. so he'll still win the division with a weak record and so then it it's kind of like he's able to like justify him not being fired like well i won the division i got in the playoffs Mm -hmm. you know got a home playoff game and you know but that when you're in a weak division like that, that's really not anything to brag about. But then the, my biggest problem with him, one, like Zach pointed out the, Oh, good job. Like I, I watched in the, I didn't pay close attention to the Cowboys bills game, but I've seen him do this all the time where like kicker goes out there and misses a field goal. Oh, good job. Good job. That's okay. Good job. Good job. Like, no, I mean, if it's like a 55 yard or something, sure. But you know, he misses an extra point and you're like, good job. Yep. Let's go guys. No, we'll dude, get it dude. next time. <laughs> yeah, next, go out there next time, or like someone commits a personal foul penalty. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I went through the same thing with Gus Bradley, mm-hmm. and it it's so infuriating to watch. And you know, since I like the Cowboys because of Susan now too, like he just he reminds me of Gus Bradley so much. And then the other thing is too, just like with the problem, one of the biggest problems I have with Gus Bradley is it just it seems like he doesn't know what he's doing a lot of the times like he I guess he was getting complaints about not being aggressive enough after kicking that field goal against New England last week which I thought made no sense at all so then in the Bills game he's like okay well I'll be more aggressive and I'll go for yeah, it yeah fourth and one on my own 20 yard line uh, which they did get it but I mean, they dodged a bullet there because that would have been a disaster if they hadn't gotten that. You know, when it's in the first quarter, you know, you don't go for it on. I think they said that was the first time this whole season where a team had gone for it on fourth yeah. down side of their own 20 yard line, like in the first half of a game. I mean, it, it was just it's like it's like he's like, oh, they're saying I'm not aggressive. So now I'm going to be way too aggressive. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, yeah, he, he does. It's like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I I don't know how he's still coach. Like, I want to say 
I know Marvin Lewis was like the longest tenure. Yeah. Well, I want to say like other than Belichick and like maybe like Mike Tomlin, like he's up there for like longest tenured current longest tenured head coach. Sean Payton, I think, is second. But yeah. Oh yeah, for the Saints. Yeah. So there's like maybe three or four that have been with their mm-hmm. team longer than he has. Like he's top five for sure. Like, but he's had like maybe one playoff win in that time. Like, I mean it it it's t- or two, I think, but still like yeah. it's time it's time for the Cowboys to move on from him. They they're another team like the Falcons too and where I even would argue maybe that Dallas has more talent than Atlanta has, but like they have a pretty good team on paper, but they just have not been able to get results. So, Jason Garrett, you are the weakest link. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you see some more sad faces on this page if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> this is the this. sad face page. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this on iTunes, like just go on YouTube and look up this part so you can see the slide this is yeah amazing. around the uh around the 53 54 minute mark here um so yeah all right so we'll start with the first one here pat Shermer for the giants i think i don't know if this is his second season or third season as the giants coach but to me he's got to go i mean the giants have two wins this year they're a bad team, but it's not like he's shown any signs of anything positive. Um, this team gets blown out in a lot of games, and he's obviously tied to Daniel Jones. It's going to be interesting to see if that is the reason he stays a head coach. I think he's the most likely to not get fired, but... I mean, his success in the first couple of years has been terrible. We've seen coaches get fired for worse or for having um, for having done better than he's done in up to this point in his tenure at the Giants. So I don't watch a whole lot of Giants games, so I don't know his coaching philosophy or anything like that. But just the results from what the Giants have had the past couple of years and they've really made some questionable draft picks too. I mean, Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah. We, we know about Daniel Jones a lot too, but still, I think in my opinion, picking Saquon, I don't think as good as Saquon is number two overall in that draft. I feel like there were a lot better options for them to take. They could have taken a quarterback then. I don't know. Um, how much better? I mean, I guess it's a good thing they didn't pick Darnold, but you know, they that picking a running back second overall, no matter how good they are, the thing with running backs is you know, you can go into the third, fourth, fifth round and get a really good running back. So, while running back was a big need for the Giants, I think picking a running back number two overall is a huge reach. And I said it a couple times ago, but you know, passing on Quentin Nelson, I think, was a mistake, too, because of how dominant of an offensive lineman he is. And that's, I think, more important than our, the running back position is having a great offensive line. So the decisions he's made, I know he's tied heavily into those decisions. Uh, whoever, I think Gettleman's the GM for this team. He's ob- obviously, you know, we didn't even talk about the Odell situation, like how that got out of hand. But... Yeah, this Giants team has been a mess. It's not 
through their contract. They're one of the more traditional, stable franchises and whatnot, but their results have not been good, and I don't think there's really any hope. I mean, Daniel Jones is playing like we all thought he would be playing, which is not very good. So it'll be interesting to see if he survives another year because, you know, Jones is still a rookie and all that. But to me, I don't see him succeeding in New York. So I I think he could be fired. And I know and we talked about it might seem like a little bit hypocritical to say he should be fired when before we we're talking about, you know, give him a chance. But to me, there's no hope with this team with him as their coach. Um I think they could do a lot better, and he's had, you know, this is this guy's been a coach, you know, in other spots too, and has never really shown anything. I mean, he was a coach on the Browns a while back, so and we we read off the coaching, you know, how many coaches they've had. They just have a coach every other year, so to me, I don't think he's done anything to keep his job, but I think he probably will end up staying the coach next year. Yeah, I. I pretty much agree with this 100. percent I, if I had to guess, I would say that he probably doesn't get fired. I would be, I would say, if I was the Giants owner, I would be willing to give him one more year, but I would be letting him know going into this off season, you know, like your seat's burning, man. Like, yeah, you, you know, we we've had a lot of problems and I know Dan, but I I'd be like understanding at the same time. I'd say, Hey, I know, I know Daniel Jones is a rookie. We didn't really want to play him right away. I know they wanted Eli to start for the first year, but of course he was not doing good. So then kind of, they kind of had to force Daniel Jones in there when they didn't really want to. So I would say, you know, we're going to give Daniel Jones another off season, make sure we got Saquon fully healthy Another year to, you know, draft some talent, maybe get a good free agent or two. But if you're still doing bad, you know, going, you know, after the next season has started, then you're gone. That, like, so, yeah. like, if I was the owner, I wouldn't fire him, but I'd be letting him know he's on thin ice for sure. Like, he, Mm -hmm. because I do agree with Zach, too, that I, I don't think he's a very good coach, and I wouldn't be surprised if they fired him, but. Uh, like out of these five, obviously with Jay Gruden already being gone, like out yeah. of the out of the five other five that we'll be talking about, like he is probably the most likely to stay. But mm-hmm. I I think he's on thin ice though. I, yeah. So I'll I'll compare him here with another guy on thin ice, uh, Matt Patricia down here in the bottom with the uh, postcard envelope. I mean <laughs> I don't know what is that a just a play calling sheet with the American flag? flag? I mean I don't know. um he must have he must not have been able he must not have eaten a proper lunch before the game and so he needed a little something to chew on i don't know man that's such a weird picture it is it's a weird picture but to me this is an instance where i i can compare um patricia with Shermer and with dan quinn because I feel like he's in the situation like Shermer where he hasn't been given a lot of time and he should probably get one more year if I were the Lions, give him another year. But he is 
suppose you know he came from New England as a defensive coordinator. Defense is supposed to be his specialty, and this Lions team I saw too. They five their first five draft picks last year were all defensive players. I mean, this team has picked defense in the draft since he got there. They spent a lot of money on Trey Flowers. So this team is all about their defense, or that's what they're supposed to be all about. And they rank in the bottom of the defensive category stats. I mean, Mitch Trubisky looked good against the Lions' defense. That's hard to do. So... Wait, wait, what was I? I said, boom, roasted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you were if you were to roast Patricia's defense, like that would be the number one yeah, material. Like, you're so bad, Mitch Trubisky looked good against you. Boom. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that's, I think, the most alarming thing with Patricia is that you don't... And also, I had high expectations for the Lions this year, too probably a little bit too high but still they have had they haven't had a great season this year and they didn't have a good season last year he'll probably get another go in in my opinion but this he's on thin ice too and the defense has to get better too i mean it's one thing to win games but if you're winning games in spite of your head coach because of how they're supposed to be good at a certain thing and their team isn't that's also a problem. You know, if you win a lot, that doesn't make you a good coach um, if, you know, they win in spite of you. And I feel like the few times that Detroit does win, they win in spite of Patricia. So that's why I, you know, I'll give him another year to clean it up, but not looking good right now for him. Yeah, and the, the biggest problem that I have with Patricia, in addition to the defense thing, there's another... I hate to have to bring up Gus Bradley's name again, but like he's not like how like Jason Garrett is with the like clapping, happy, happy, joy, joy type of thing. But there's another instance though where Patricia reminds me of Gus Bradley, and a lot of people don't know this, but when other than the very like first year when Gus Bradley was coach and his other time as coach. The Jaguars actually led in a lot of their games. I know they got blown out a lot, and people that's mainly what people remember. But like in Gus Bradley's second season, the Jaguars had a lead in the majority of their games, but lost pretty much all of them. And the Lions actually this year, I knew they had for a big chunk, but I didn't realize how much it was exactly until I saw the stat during their game against the Bears. But the Lions have actually had a lead in every single game this season, <laughs> but they've only wow. won they've only won the three games. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, even look in their first game against Arizona, which they didn't lose that game; it was a tie. But they had a huge uh, mm-hmm. lead on them, and then Arizona came storming back. I think that was it, or maybe it was. I don't yeah, remember. they did. They did. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. I was, but even if it was the other way around, they had to storm and come back. But yeah, so that's. That's on the coach when you're leading every game but not winning any of it. You know, there's something with the coaching there. Like, I guess my best guess for the explanation for that would be that, you know, they get the lead, but then the other team adjusts to what they're doing, and then they're able to stop them and then come back. 
or they're like they're able to figure him out. Whereas then once that starts happening, then Matt Patricia is not adjusting to the adjustment. You know what I mean? So yeah. like like I know when eh, I mentioned it in the roast that I beat Zach in the Super Bowl, but like in that game when him and I played, I got off to a big lead against him. But Zach started to storm back against me because he was figuring out what I was doing. So then I had to pay attention to what Zach yeah. was doing and then <laughs> figure out, okay, well, he's doing this, so that I need to attack him differently now instead it's of a just chess match, man. <laughs> because if I had just kept doing the same thing that I'd been doing the whole time, Zach would have beat me. But so I had to adjust to the adjustment. And I don't think Matt Patricia does that. I think he's like, this is our game plan. This is what we're going to do, and that's it. You know, whether it's working or not, this is what we're going to do. Like, he's got to get better at that because you can't, you know, play 13 games and have a lead in all 13 of them, but only win three. Uh, that's a problem. <laughs> oh, certainly. Certainly. You know, and, and a lot of them, it wasn't even like, oh, well, they got a 3 0 lead at the beginning of the game, but then they lost the lead. I mean, a lot of them, they were leading in the second half and then still not winning. It, it gets to be a problem at that point. But, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with Zach, though, that I think he probably will get one more year. But, like, if I'm the Lions owner, I'm probably doing the same thing as I would if I'm the Giants owner. Be like, you know, you got one more chance, man, but you, you got to prove something to me. <laughs> yeah, and then the last coach here is the one that's the only one that's been actually fired so far, Jay Gruden. Uh, the... Redskins had a terrible run with him as their head coach. I think they won the division once under him, back with RG3 in his rookie season, I think. it's It feels like it's been that long. So he's been yeah, there, and <laughs> yeah. He, so he, you know, he, I think, was justly fired because his team is doing terrible. But it is interesting now, Bill, Cal- Bill Callahan is their interim head coach, and the Redskins did win today against Carolina, which is a fairly, I'd say at this point, they're an average team because, I mean, their record is probably 500 Carolina. So I really actually forgot to put on the list because Ron Rivera could be on the hot seat too. Yeah, that is true. He could be. I, mean, really? I know. Yeah, I'll leave that topic maybe for Aaron when we potentially collaborate with an episode of him, talk about Rivera, what he thinks about yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but as far as Gruden here, you know, obviously he's inspired. But for Callahan's sake, I think he's doing quite well to keep this job um, because this Washington team is bad, but he's finding ways to win. And I think the Redskins now have three wins with him as their head coach. So, I mean, some of them have been the pretty bad teams. But, I mean, I wonder if the uh, – if they're mathematically eliminated from winning the, the division, it's, <laughs> it's the East is so bad. I don't know. I mean, the Eagles lost today. I think the Eagles only have four wins or five wins. So, like, and they're Dallas, also – Dallas has six. Dallas has six. I know they played each other one more time, so they have a chance to win there. I mean, they would need for Dallas and Philly to keep losing. But if they win out, I mean – I think there's a chance they can still make the playoffs after all this, but it's unlikely. Yeah, no, it's unlikely, but, I mean, if that happens, that would be one hell of a job by Bill Callahan. But, yeah, I, I, Jay Gruden, 
I think it's going to, I think it's going to be tough for him to get another head coaching job with all the stuff that was happening there in Washington. Yeah. Uh, so, and he, he was known for some off the field stuff too. Like the story of him showing up high to meetings and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, maybe he'll go with his brother, uh, John, and uh, it'd be like an assistant. Opener. Yeah, probably <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So big root, and that's a great idea. Let me let me uh, let me show up to my work tomorrow, either drunk or high, and see how that goes. <laughs> for me. I'll I'll see how long I last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and it's not, and I think he wanted to be fired too because at the end of his um, at the end of his time in Washington. Someone asked him, like, you know, do you expect to be fired? And he was like, he was he he made it seem like, I guess I'll see if my gate password works tomorrow. Like, I mean, he was like, he didn't he just seemed like he didn't care at all. Like, whereas like Marone has been like, you know, like, we're going to finish the season strong and this is all on me and we're going to get it together. You know, like he's I'll give Marone credit for fighting for his job because he's trying, I think. I don't think he's giving up like uh, like Gruden did. <laughs> you can see it in this picture here. <laughs> that sums up Gruden, I think. Here, <laughs> um, but that th- that'll conclude today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we talked a lot about coaches in this episode. I know it's not the most flashy subject to talk about, but they are, you know, a pretty big part of these NFL and college team successes and failure. So these are some coaches, some teams we think that are going to be on the hot seat coming up in the following days and weeks. Uh, we'll know more as time goes on, obviously, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this and comment below some, we didn't talk about potential replacements for all these coaches and teams, but cause obviously that would take forever, but still, I want you guys to comment below on either USF or any of these college programs or any of these NFL teams here. Comment below who you think some of these teams should hire as their next head coach and give a reason why. So, you know, if you're the Falcons and you're like, oh, I want Jason Garrett as my head coach next, you know, most people are going to be like, huh? Just give us a reason why, and you know maybe it'll be, you know, enlightening. <laughs> so that's uh, that's I guess what we'd like you guys to do. Um, but other than that, great episode, Eric. Uh, great roast. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> catch you guys next time. Peace.